and welcome back to the Basic Bible. Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, a very tired Kevin Thompson, and sitting next to me on my left in every way possible, Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, you know, somewhere along the line we switched because I used to sit on the right. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've moved to the left. Yeah. That's because you're an Armenian, egalitarian, liberal. Um, oh. But anyway. We'll have to discuss that Armenian thing one of these days. This, Not getting any yeah, closer to Calvinism, though. We need to cure you of that. So. <laughs> I think I've got Craig almost convinced on Calvinism, but... I don't think so. Um, but he started, he's Lutheran, so... Yeah, well, he's kind of in the middle then. He's yeah. Kinda, all right, so we are talking about things not to say to your pastor. So I hope none of you out there have ever said this to your pastor, these things. And if you do, there's still time to repent and apologize and seek forgiveness. That's right. So we're going to finish off these this list here. We've been going through this list of uh, phrases and sentences I've collected from actual pastors who have said these things were actually said to them. So, wow. Um, let's start off with this. I, 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 you know, one of the qualifications of a pastor is that he's not a brawler. He's not someone who settles things with his fist. But if you said this, um, I, I, I might disqualify myself. We love your family, but we hate you. Your wife and kids would be better off without you. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. What the heck? Your wife and kids would be better off without you. I, I don't understand where people come from when they make idiotic statements like that. I mean... You know, again, my snarky self might retort with, uh, and this church just might be better off without you. Yeah. Wow. I just that's that's that's, that's just beyond, personal and hateful. It is beyond belief that somebody would actually say that to somebody who has committed his life to ministry. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, so, that, I, that, I, that one can get really depressing. Yeah. Uh, now. This one has actually been said to me. I'm not a pastor at the moment. I have been. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not at the moment. And, um, wow. And this was said to me as a Christian school teacher. During the height of the pandemic, you're a coward perpetuating a culture of fear. And I'm sure they were dangling a mask in front of them as they said it. You're perpetuating a culture of fear. <sighs> My first question is, I want to ask you how many guns you own. Yeah. And why do you own them? Mm -hmm. Because you want to protect your family. Because you're convinced the police won't show up quick enough. And you're a man and you're going to... Well, what is that? That's fear. Yeah. So shut up. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I'm not a pastor right now. Because I can't handle these things very tactfully. Well, you shouldn't have to handle this one at all. I mean... It was the the last two years have been such an upheaval that probably the the biggest upheaval the world has ever seen in my lifetime at least you know probably World War two was pretty bad, but that was before my lifetime really? Con contrary to uh, wow. what some people might think 
Um, I thought you were fighting the Kaiser. I, I, grew, I grew up, I was born in the 50s, so things since then. And, you know, I think that I can honestly say that if you're not somewhat afraid of this thing, you know, and wanting to protect yourself, your family, and other people by wearing a mask, what's wrong with you? I mean, you know, God, God gave us a brain. We've, we've had this discussion before in the midst yeah. of the pandemic. God gave us a brain to use. And, you know, and he also tells us to care for others before we care for ourselves. So, I, personally, I hate wearing this, the mask. I, I, I have a hard time breathing with a mask on. But I did it because I wanted to protect other people. And I did it at work because it was a requirement at work until this last week. We finally can show up at Chick-fil-A without a mask to work. And let, you know, if somebody says something, then we're supposed to pull one out and put it on. But I mean, I'm going to Chick-fil-A and I'm going to say something. Yeah, okay. Just to be that guy. Just to be, well, okay. What you should never say to a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> but That's a different podcast. Yeah, right. The, but the thing is, it's like, it, this has been hard enough. You know, I mean, this has been hard enough without pettiness, without throwing around accusations. You don't trust. Basically, what they're saying is you didn't trust in God enough. So you're... No, I think what they're saying is you didn't trust in the same YouTube video I watched. Ah, uh, well, okay. Well, or the weird guy in the blog or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's probably... But in their mind, they're probably thinking... Joe Rogan said this. You don't have enough faith in Joe Rogan. Yeah, well, whoever he... I've heard the name, but... He has a rival podcast. They get slightly more listeners than we do. <laughs> and by slightly, I mean about 12 million. I never have listened to him. <laughs> does that, have I. But, does that help you any? <laughs> but um, he's on Spotify. And we're on Spotify as well, by the way. Um, <laughs> so if you get rid of Joe Rogan, right, um, yeah. come back to us. So, all right. Um, yeah, I want to see where your medical degree is in as well. I don't yeah. want to see a YouTube video. And, you know, during this pandemic, it was a new thing. And people didn't know exactly how to react to this. So we're, everyone was doing the best that they could do. So shut up. All right. Um, okay, Pastor, what can you do for my kids? Oh, my. What can you do for your kids? And I had to say, you know, I get, I, I get the sentiment behind the statement. Right. As a father of four, very rambunctious, uh, high-maintenance kids. All boys. Um, all boys, yes. I get the feeling mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when we, when we were looking for a church, one of the things we did look at is children's ministry. Sure. Uh, we did visit a family integrated church once where they don't believe in junior church or Sunday school. Or, yeah. That did not work for us. I'm just going <laughs> to. The pastor was a great guy. In fact, he's been a guest on this podcast. Great preaching. Loved the church. I just, the preaching could be, perfect 
but it wouldn't have mattered because I wouldn't have heard any of it yeah. with my kids. Right. Um, and, you know, my wife and I get stressed out with our kids. And on Sunday, we would like to just sit and worship. Um, but ultimately, it is my responsibility. It's my, uh, my wife's responsibility to raise these kids. It's not the job of the church. As a teacher, I hate that, that attitude that, you know, here are my kids, you go fix them. Um, no, we're working together on this, okay? Uh, we're not a reformatory school. And uh, if, I used to tell parents all the time, if, if, if I'm not an extension of what you're already doing, yeah. then this isn't going to work. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, my snarky self would almost say, okay, you want, you want us to fix your kids? Well, then give them up for adoption. That would be a good place. Find a better parent than what you were. Like I said, snarky. Yeah. <laughs> and I would never say that to anybody, but... Except man. you said it to the billions of listeners we Yeah, have. right, right. Um, but... Just remember, my snarky comes out. It's come out quite a bit during this whole yeah. series, hasn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I get that you... you it, there's a better way of putting this than what can you do for my kids. Right. Um... Or you could have, you know, what ch- children's ministries do you offer would be a better way of saying that. Right. Um, but I, I think the sentiment behind that is, is a troubling thing. Right. All right, so Pastor, I have some concerns. Didn't we already do that? <laughs> um, yeah, I think we kind of already did. But, again, it's, it's okay that, you know... Re-emphasize. It's okay. No pastor is above criticism. Right. And no ministry is above criticism. Um, but... Are you just being a jerk is the question I've got. If, if all you have is criticism, yeah. if you're coming to the church with your laundry list of problems, um, you know, we don't need that. Nobody yeah. needs that. One, I think that, yeah, th- that sounds, uh, maybe more of your problem than ours. Right. One of the things that my wife taught me early on, and she got it from a professor of hers, is what's called the... The sandwich approach. Right. You start off with a positive, then if you have a negative, uh, but you sandwich that with a, another positive at the end. You know, you're doing a great job. You know, you do this well, this this well, this well, this well. There's this issue that I would like to talk to you about, and then finish up with again. You know, we can work together on this, but you know, but to come and just say I've got some concerns. You know, yeah, I got some concerns about you too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're if you're wanting to help a pastor change what he's doing, you gotta treat him with respect or her with respect. You got to love them. Or, or, or what if you're net? You know, I think there's a lot of pastors that would be okay with. I've got some concerns. If it's followed by, let me show you how I can help. Yeah. Or what can I do to pitch in? Right. Um, Because that's usually not what follows that. Here's here's my problem. You go fix it. Yeah. All right. um, Calling while having family time. I'm not going to answer the phone. And you shouldn't. Right. If you're a pastor. That's right. Um, And church member, be okay with that. I mean, I think that office hours are, for the most part, a thing of the past. But there should be some courtesy given 
you know, and rule of thumb, I mean, I've learned this as a pastor, I've learned it as uh, an educator and stuff. Somebody has a concern or a question or a need, contact me, leave a message, uh, text me, email me. I'll get back with you within 24 hours. Yeah. Unless it's an extreme emergency, then, you know, of course, I want to be there for uh, what's going on. But, you know, if it's just you want to blow off some more steam, that's not good. I mean... You know, I know some pastors have a... That's what that's what will drive a guy or a woman out of the ministry faster than anything, yeah. is people... We're constantly haranguing them with their problems. I know some pastors have a policy, you know, like, you know, if you call me once, I don't pick up, just don't. But if it's an emergency, call me a second time. Yeah. And then I'll know this is a serious problem. Right. Because um, I, don't, I don't think any pastor wants to not, you know, someone's dying or something. Right. A true emergency. But, you know, just think about your own family. When do you not want to be interrupted? Right. Um, some things can wait. <laughs> from last, from the last program, they don't want to be. They want me to come over to their home. So yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And during your supper time, right? You better have good. an extra plate for ready for me. <laughs> um, let's see. We have never done it that way before, oh, or that's right. not how our last pastor did it. The seven deadly words of the church. We have never done it that way. And maybe that's the problem. And that's more than, because look at what doing it the same way, where it's gotten you. If you do what you've always done, you'll be what you've always been. Pretty much. But I have to admit, this is, this is a, a problem I have. Because I, I, I love tradition. I love doing things the same way all the time. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's my blind spot, where I have to work consciously and think, you know, okay, we are going to do something new and that's going to have to be okay with me. Well, okay, it, I mean, there's tradition and then there's tradition. Jesus spoke against tradition, the, the kind that took people down the wrong path, but he was also very much on understanding scripture and how did he learn that? Well, it was the oral tradition that was handed down from generation to yeah. generation and that's you know, I mean, I I think that we get confused. We always think that tradition is a bad thing, and it's not. Like most churches that I, all churches I've ever been a part of, have a Christmas Eve candlelight service of some kind. Okay, that's a tradition. And you, you guess what? You do something different, you do it a second time, what does that make it? It's a tradition. Yeah. It becomes a tradition real quick if you do something more than once. So tradition's not all bad, but we've never done it that way before. You might as well lock the doors, sell the property, get on to a different place, uh, and because, you know, I mean, I, I was involved with a church as their pastor for a couple of years, just going on weekends. And unfortunately, they were uh, going through the, the closing process after only 48 years of being in existence. Mm. 
Because... Because you were there? They didn't change anything. You know, they were already <laughs> dead. They just didn't know it. And that and that's a sad commentary. It is a sad a commentary. Churches. Yeah. I mean, uh, Don Green... You've Who's met, been on this podcast. Yes, he has. Uh, he says a church has to do things to reinvent itself every 50 years or it's just... It's not going to last. Yeah. And... Um, you know, nothing wrong with churches celebrating anniversaries, like when they get 100 years, 175 years, nothing wrong with that. But if your church is stagnated <laughs> and there's only people older than me sitting in the pew, got to do something to turn that around. Right. Whatever that might be, you know. Um, the, it's a hard, it's a hard thing, and I understand the whole pandemic thing has really done havoc with, especially smaller churches, as far as who's attending. There are people now, maybe that the CDC has lifted the the restrictions quite a bit. Actually, are they going to start coming back to church or not? I don't know, but I have to be looking more at using social media, which a lot of churches did and you know probably should continue to do so because that's just the way things are now um i don't i'm not a huge social media fan well i mean you're I, on social I, media I, all I, the time i'm on facebook a lot yeah but i don't do the others hardly at all i mean i do i don't do twitter i've got an account but i never use it um, but you are the one keeping our facebook group alive am i Okay. Yeah. All right. You're the one who posts every day. Well, I do that, but then I post. We need more people to post every day. Well, yeah. As long as it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we should say that. As long as it's appropriate and as long as it's worthwhile reading. Um, <laughs> well, now, right. thank you. What a compliment. Do you, everybody, do you, Kevin Thompson just said my stuff was worthwhile reading. <laughs> not technically, but. By, yes, it by is. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Pastor, I just don't feel like I'm being fed. Now, I, I, I'm torn about this one because um, I've been in that situation yeah. where I felt like the preaching was a problem. And so I, I, I had to sit down with the pastor to talk about that. Um, but I will say there are times where, and I've had to be told this, you're too critical. And you need to be open to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the problem is not the pastor. The problem is me. Right. I think that when somebody would say that, so pretty obviously then you're not in the Word yourself. You're not taking the time to get involved in a small group or a life group and delving into things in a much greater way. I mean... God's revelation is not confined to a 20 minute to a half hour to 45 minute for those reformed people out there sermon once a week. I mean, God speaks to us in multiple ways, you know, primarily through his word, but through his creation as well and through other people. If you're counting on one person to be the only source of your feeding, um, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you need to. Yeah. You need to wake up to the fact that there's a whole lot more that you need to do too. And I, and I also wonder, what do you mean by that yeah. exactly? Because yeah. because there sometimes what that means is, and I found this with myself, is that you're not hitting the topics I want you to hit. Right. You're not covering the passages I want you to cover. You're not as much of a Calvinist as I am. So you know, if you're not throwing in the words election and predestination and every other message, then man, I'm just not getting fed. Uh, sometimes you are getting fed, but you're just like me. You don't like the vegetables. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you need them, and you need to eat them. And, you know, I have, you know, there are times where I've, I've got to submit. I have to be humble enough mm. to sit under someone else's preaching, yeah. um, whether that's Phil Allen at my church or Jeff Williams. I, I've got to be humble enough to say, all right, this is where God has placed me. And I have to believe that I'm not here by accident, you know, because I'm a Calvinist. And um, what he's giving, if it's from the word of God, mm -hmm. there is something there for me to chew on yep. and to swallow and to consider and to meditate upon. Yep. And if I'm not getting that, maybe the problem is me. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm not humble, if, if I've, you know, Ray, you and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're similar in that we're, we're trained, we're educated. And maybe our, our temptation is to overthink or overanalyze uh, what pastors do. Yeah. And it's easy for me to sit and think, well, I know if I were preaching this passage, I would take it this direction right. or that direction. And, you know, maybe that's why I'm in that sermon because I wouldn't take it that direction. I need to hear that. Yeah. No, I. it took me a while after I'd been in out of ministry to be able to sit and not analyze the sermon. Yeah. Of course, I mean, I've had the privilege of listening to John Bryce for the most part. You call that a privilege? I do. Oh. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of my... I can say that because John's not listening. One of my top five, well, probably in the top two as far as... The, and then Mark Grindle does a really good job with the word too. No, you know, I've never heard John preach. I've heard Mark preach, and he's yeah. a, he's he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, we won't. Talk someday about he'll him. make a good preacher. No. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, Mark. I, I've listened to Mark. Mark's a good guy, and he's he's faithful in the word. Yeah. Does a great job. And that's that's should be the criteria, right? Yeah. That uh, criterion, I guess, singular, um, is are they being faithful to the word? Right. That's why I'm a huge proponent of uh, preaching through books of the Bible. Yes, expository preaching. That's that's how I do my writing, my devotional right. writing. I I just want to go right through the book because when I do that, I'm like, okay, so he's talking about this here, and he's oh, he's coming back to what he was talking about right. before. And you know, First Corinthians is is extremely that way, because he's still dealing with the the problem of division, and then, and he's talking about love, and love is sandwiched in between chapter twelve and fourteen, which are about spiritual gifts, and so love is just it's a gift that you know that we do not have without the Holy Spirit residing in us, and and it deals with all the divisions that. Uh, that he's dealing with in Corinth, and frankly, that needs to be dealt with in 
pretty much every church that's ever been because mm. people church churches are made up of people who are imperfect and all right let's jump on to another thing i'm I, gonna interrupt you i know you. i'm looking that. at our our clock oh we um, have a clock <laughs> all right <laughs> this is another thing I'd, I'd be tempted to punch someone over but i but i've seen this situation firsthand yeah. and i know pastors who struggle with this pastor that sure is a nice new car you have maybe uh, we're paying you too much yeah. I know pastors who really struggle with this that they don't want to buy. for example I, I know a pastor I won't mention his name uh, but you know who you are but you're not listening um, but he really struggled with he got a really good deal on a new car mm-hmm. um, now he was he was bivocational so he had another job mm-hmm. um, so he had a little bit of money not much but he just there was just this one in a lifetime time opportunities really struggled um should i buy this car because if i buy this it's a really nice car and people are going to judge me over it mm. and he didn't because mm, he didn't well, want to face the criticism over it. yeah and i think that's a shame um he should have yeah and uh you know we have this this stupid idea you know pastors let's keep them humble let's not give them too much money because that's it's ministry after all you do this for god not for money oh. as a teacher i hear that and i, I get so it's not about the income; it's about the outcome. Like, you know what? Shut up! I need I need to buy groceries this week. You know, yeah, I, mean, I need to pay rent. You, I need to pay my mortgage. You got four boys that yes. are going to be more and more when it comes to food and clothing. And oh man, Devante's all kinds like of a, stuff. Oh man, like a teenager already. Yeah, and he's he what five five years old. Um, and Tony could pack it away. But I will say, this school has been generous, and you know they have. In the past, not been able to pay much, but as as we are getting a little better financially, um, this school has has stepped up and and tried to do what's right, and I appreciate that. So I don't want to say that about my school, but a lot of churches yeah. don't want and they don't want to pay the pastor very much because it's ministry. It's not real work anyway, right? Well, like and the, pushing out widgets at the factory. You know, and what what does that mentality do to a guy or a woman that's involved in ministry? Does it motivate them to work and do the work well, or does it, you know, sort of make them well? If this is what they think of me and what I do, then that's what they're going to get. Yeah, and that you know, you're supposed to encourage each other. And by encouragement, you know, I'm not saying come up to them, to them and say any of these idiotic comments we've been talking about over the last several episodes. I'm talking about let's go to lunch, let's go have coffee, let's go talk about this passage of scripture, let's go see Aunt Frida or whatever who's in the hospital or. Yeah. Let's go talk to this guy who used to be a member and now he's off drinking his life away. Let's do this together. It's all right. about together. That's the problem with the role of pastor as defined by today's standards is it's not biblical. <laughs> you know, we should do a whole podcast just on that. We should. What is the biblical role of the pastor? Yeah. Not your conception of what a pastor should be. What does the Bible actually say? Yep. All right, so one more, one last one. We're going to end on this. And All this right. Is the one. Getting my golf club ready to go. Yeah, I'll <laughs> tee this up for you. Um, pastor, I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you, after you go. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that's exactly, 
people don't even need to say that one. <laughs> you just sense it about them. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's they're 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 not going to listen to you because you're wet behind the ears, even though you might be in your forties and have been serving for quite some time in all kinds of capacities, you know, yep, we're gonna just keep doing it this way because you know what? You're gonna leave and I'll still be here. There's no humility, no grace, it's, no well, understanding. Whose church is it? Yeah. Well, it's it's my church. Yeah, that's not the yours. It's not God. Oh, wait a second. It is God's, isn't it? It's supposed to be God's church. And I'm like, you know, it's it, it's basically the same kind of thing that says uh, we've never done it that way before. Yeah. Then Ridiculous. you're you're not. Uh, I was in a place that was that way, and we had a convergence of the people that grew up in the area, and then there was people moving out from a big, 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 big metropolis closer to, you know, within a couple of miles. It was like a gated community that wasn't a gated, they didn't have a gate, but they're similar yeah. type of thing. And the twain should never meet because the people that grew up there we don't want to go, we don't want to do these things because that's what, you know, I mean, we've never done them that way. And then the people that are coming who think they've slowed down are still going 85 miles an hour for the people who, who grew up there. Yep. You know, this is our church. Huh? I mean, there's one, it's one thing to talk about ownership. It's another thing to deny the fact that the church is Christ's. Right. And not allowing for him to work through the body like that, because that's exactly what you're doing. You're squelching right. the spirits working in a body with those kind of comments, with those kind of attitudes. Yeah. And like I, said, like I said, this one comes through loud and clear without it being said. Right. All right. So we're going to end on that note. So in reality, be humble, be submissive in a biblical way. Mm -hmm. Listen for the spirit not just your own preferences. All right. So again, check us out at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and then join us on our Facebook group and uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Basic Biblecast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.